0: Hey there, AJ Cordero here, a co-host on the Hockey Flow. I've been podcasting since 2007, and I've seen many changes over the years. But the best one has been the introduction of Anchor. And here's why. It's because it's easy and it's free. Seriously, I've spent so much time, money, and effort to get something at this level back in the day. Now, with a push of a few buttons, all that time, money, and energy are spent producing the show rather than distributing it. Now, you might not think you need a podcast, and hey, maybe you don't. don't think of a podcast just as a way to get your news, sports, and entertainment fixes. It can be a way to tell your family's stories, shine a light on your hobbies and communities, go in-depth for a love of your team, or discuss how to change the world. The possibilities are limitless. Anchor provides creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They also distribute your podcast so you can be heard on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and every player that supports an RSS feed. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum requirement on the size of your audience. Don't waste a second. Download the free Anchor app on your smartphone today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it. Seriously. The world is waiting to hear your story. This is The Hockey Flow. It's a weekly show that focuses on the critical stories happening in hockey today with a focus on the NHL. And joining me, of course, are two co-hosts, Marco D'Amico from scrimmageandstats.com. You can follow all of his work on Twitter, at TheHockeyExpert. And other co-hosts, Adam Boucher, at ReallyAdamB on Twitter. And myself, I'm AJ Cordero. I'm the host. I produce the show. Let's get right into it. Boys, we had some hockey action. Where do we start?
1: Oh, That's such a hard question.
0: There's been such a good hockey. Should we talk about who got swept? Let's start there. Who got swept? The The Rangers! Rangers. Sebastian Ajo, Masterclass. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Adam, actually. What were your first impressions of this series? Uh, Quick ending, three games in a row. Goodbye. Uh, Sayonara to those beautiful dreams of hosting a Stanley Cup, but potentially have a chance, a one-twelfth chance at Lafreniere. We'll see. So 0 for 7 on the power play. That's particularly one of the key things that we have to take away from that series, right?
2: That was crazy. Oh for seven on the power play for the first uh, first game of the series. They ended up losing three two. Even just go two for seven on the power play, and and it's a different game. Um, I think for that first game, we have to focus on how solid Slavin was, uh, considering Hamilton wasn't playing. And also, it's, it was all Keane's top line in Sveshnikov, Aho, and Terravinen. They were just incredible to watch. And for the whole series, actually.
1: Um, you know, I, I would also like to give a little bit of credit, just a smidge, to Jordan Stahl's line for the Carolina Hurricanes, because that, that, they shut down Panarin and Zabinajad, uh, be it on the power play, on the PK. Uh, I know that they uh they didn't necessarily score a power play goal in their first game, uh, but Strom's pass to Panarin at the tail end of the power play, like it's unofficially a power play. The guys was wasn't even out of the box yet. So is it was their power play? No, I think it was their five on five play that sunk them. I think the the Rangers, you know, a lot of people pointed the finger to Henrik Lundqvist and I don't think that's fair because he was pulling out saves that didn't make any sense. Um I tell you why Carolina won. I never thought I'd say this, and I'd have to eat crow from last week because goaltending, goaltending won. I think I have maybe like 10 highlight reel saves from both Morazic and Reimer in those three games. It is ridiculous. So I think defensively they were able to be the more aggressive team. Uh, They were able to shut down, but they were also able to attack the New York Rangers' weaknesses. Uh, And I think that's something we can dive into deeper, but um, going into the playoffs, a lot of people were saying how Tony D'Angelo was a top pair defenseman. I think uh, Tony D'Angelo responded to those, um, I would say high merits with an emphatic no. Uh, I think it was very evident that he's out of his element when he plays more than about 20-ish minutes a game. I think he's an ideal uh, power play specialist on the second pair. And I think that, This was most evident that the Rangers need to continue their rebuild, uh, especially when it comes to their defense. And before any Rangers fans get mad, you have the pieces in place. Condrey Miller, Niels Lundqvist, uh, you just got to go and get more. Ryan Lindgren, uh, you just got to go and get more.
0: I have to ask, though. I mean, does this mean that the the Hank era, the Lundqvist era is effectively over? No, he's
1: got one year left on his deal.
0: I mean, to to be fair, I mean, it wasn't goaltending. It wasn't goaltending that was the problem.
1: It wasn't. It was defense, and 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 balanced offense. I would say, because I, you know, I enjoyed what I saw from Kapokako, but if he would have played like that for the Montreal Canadiens, we would hear about it for the rest of the summer. So on that end, I liked what I saw from the young guys, and and even then, a rebuilding club that has Vitali Krapchov on on the sidelines. While you have Carolina that is absolutely unafraid of playing Martin Nisas or uh, Morgan Geeky, uh, to me that that's a little questionable. So again, are they really rebuilding? Are they not? Are they putting the best ice roster to win? Um, a lot of teams are going through those very hard questions. So for me, I think that Shesterkin is obviously number one. I think Georgiev is the one that's out the door. Didn't he even get a to, lick.
2: He needs to get traded. I think it, he's yeah. he's
1: one of those guys that I, you know, a team like the Blackhawks might zero in on um, perhaps, you know, for Dylan Strom uh, and a package of stuff, but you know, I'm, that's just me speculating, but I don't I don't see Georgiev sticking around and I think that Lunquist is the perfect mentor to help carry the load for Shesterkin for another season before he takes over as number 1.
2: And they need to deal Georgiev because they could be losing him to to the expansion, right? Correct. So they, I think they they have to move one of the three, in and I think it's he's the one that makes the more sense.
1: Yeah. Also, the cap you have to think about it. Lundquist's cap cap hit is like what seven point eight, eight, or no eight point two five or something like that. It's it was very it was the highest cap hit before Carey Price hit the ten million dollar mark, and then everybody else kind of jumped in. So yeah, no, I agree. Um, I just like I said, I think it was very evident that. uh, Mark Stahl is on his last legs. I think it was very evident that Jacob Truba is perhaps not necessarily as great as he made out to be. Uh, one guy that I really enjoyed in that series was Adam Fox. Uh, Adam, we've talked about Adam Fox a lot. Um, I feel like he's the one with the most potential on that blue line as we speak, not counting the prospects that weren't eligible to play. I don't know what you thought of Adam Fox or if, if you got a good look at him. I mean
2: I I like this play I think he carried off right right up he ca- carried right off where he he left it, left it after the season one player I really liked uh we were talking about the Rangers offense struggling was Ryan Strom. Yeah, he played pretty good especially in the third game he was all over the place he was playing very well um compared to his fellow I mean, to uh,
1: yeah, line mates. I mean. yeah, we we talked about this at the beginning of last week. He's got a contract up for yeah. renewal this year as well, and oh. he went and proved that he's just not a he's not a product of Artemi Panarin, but very much a complicit duo. So worth seeing because he made some pretty good passes, and I think that we finally saw the player that the New York Islanders drafted fifth overall. Um, so it's good. Uh, unfortunately for the Rangers, or fortunately for the Rangers. Um, you know, if they don't win the lottery, chances are not on their side. Chances are not on anybody's side. Uh, they'd be picking somewhere around, uh, I believe, 12 to th- uh, anywhere between 11 to 13, depending on who loses the following planes So um, not d- ideally where you want to be as a rebuilding club. But again, uh, a lot of teams are going to say this. The experience was worth more. On to other fun okay, series. Okay, so the next I fun
0: series that we want to talk about for sure is what's happening between the Oilers and the Blackhawks. So a team, uh, yeah, not, not defense. defense. Clearly, <laughs> um, six three win uh, on Monday night for the Edmonton uh, Oilers. Uh, yeah, scu- yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, the Edmonton Oilers
1: weren't they two like 6-3 on one end and 6-4 right. on so the it's, other it's
0: a whiplash yeah. thing going on here plenty of goals lots of action uh, and a oh, first playoff Patrick last game for Connor McDavid so I'll throw it over to you Marco what were your first impressions of the game so far
1: Connor McDavid on the rush is a friggin cheat code I just it's insane how this guy can pick up that much speed the edge work as he cuts across on I believe it was Mata yeah. <sighs> And he finishes backhand. It's just disgusting, um, and really kind of confusing how, like, again, the Oilers are just being saved by a franchise player. Um, in the first game, I appreciated the play of Taylor Yamamoto, and the one guy that nobody's talking about for the Oilers, uh, who's really right there with McDavid in terms of offensive production, is Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, not Seidel, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, uh, and I feel like. For me, he is the one that really kind of stepped up in game two defensively uh, to try and hold down uh, the Taze line. Uh, I liked what I saw.
0: I mean, you could take a lot of big things away from this series, but um, what do, what does Chicago really need to pull off here if they want to pull off the win? I'm going to throw it over to you, Adam. I mean, obviously Taze was talking about how they stepped up in their game and Chicago really did not respond yeah, comparatively.
2: No, so they had they had... A very good first game. Kubalek and Taze had respectively five points and three points each. Um, I think they they really need to step up in in terms of well playing more a, a team game. But on on the other hand, I think it's just scary to see that Edmonton. It, it's a tie series. It's a, it's one one. Edmonton scored ten goals and in two games and outshot them
0: too. Right and
2: dry, and outshot them. And Dreisaitl isn't playing nearly as good as we expected. So that's a scary thing for Chicago. Um, I, I think they need to, I need their defense need to step up a bit more. We saw, uh, we, we saw Duncan Keat getting two points, two passes in the first game. And the second game there, kind of fell apart.
0: What about special uh, teams? Do you think special, because special teams made a huge difference on the, in game one of the series. And then they were just non-existent. And obviously there has been a big question mark with the top line in Chicago not really performing uh, since Saturday. So game three is happening tonight. What? How do they respond?
1: I think they, 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 they need to be
2: more on the offensive side. I mean, we saw game two, we saw Kane. Um, we saw Kane who responded to McDavid's two early goals. And then we saw almost nothing for the rest of the game. Well, Edmonton scored six. Uh, yeah, this series is just all all offense, and I think it's gonna end up being who scores the most. Yep, I mean, I, that's the way I
1: see it. I mean, that's I'm, how most you know, that's how most games are
0: right? Who scores the most? <laughs> yes, but
1: that, that's assuming that the other teams also know how to play defense, which we clearly see is not the case. We have the one thing that, that the, yeah, the one thing the Oilers did that. Finally, made a difference for them is putting in Mikko Koskinen instead of Mike Smith. Like that was mistake, like number one. What are you doing putting Mike Smith in an NHL game? Period. Never mind a playoff game. I don't care what his experience is. Uh, unless Koskinen has COVID, you go with Koskinen. Uh, he gave up he,
2: four goals in the first period of the first game. Mike exactly. Smith, like it's just yeah. You have you to can't switch come to, back from that. You have so to switch to, to Koskinen. Yeah.
1: To 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 me. Uh, I think that Edmonton played a little tighter defensively as well. Uh, I liked what I saw overall from um, the defensive core. Uh, Ethan Bear really is growing into his own for the uh, for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, and Darnell Nurse played hard. So, um, of that end, I think that it's really going to come down to this. Will the Hawks maintain Kirby Dak on that second line with Kane? Because the way it's going, I think they might opt to switch it up a bit and put Dylan Strom at center and bump Kirby back to the third line. And that would give them actually three balanced center lines that I think that would be able to match up well, because if you put a Dylan Strom versus a Ryan Nugent Hopkins, there might be the size factor uh, where they're able to kind of push the tempo. And now keep in mind, Chicago has the last change. So I think it, it goes into their benefit to do this. But again, uh, it's a high-scoring series. It's something I really enjoy uh, far better than a few other series that we're going to get to, especially the god awful Leafs versus we'll Columbus series. That. But let's
0: talk first about let's talk about we'll our dumpster that. fires for now. And uh, speaking of dumpster fires, Pittsburgh Penguins and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we had two games where we didn't have home ice, and there was a little bit of controversy around the anthem. But that's a side controversy to what's happening on the ice. But let's talk yeah. about uh, Game Three, which takes place also tonight. Um, Homewise Advantage. I'm not sure what uh, difference that makes in an empty building anyway. Last change. Side, last change. Yeah, uh, thank you. Last. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's, that is that it. That is um, it. But what happens now? Honestly, you could take away from this. Uh, I mean,
1: I mean, we'll tell you uh, yeah. in five minutes. <laughs> They're announcing the lines uh, in five yeah, minutes. So there's
0: that too. Um, I, uh, okay. So and also right now, I think that there's also, what game is also taking place right now? Uh, I think it's
1: uh, Florida yeah, versus you, yeah. so Islanders. We'll, we'll
0: update you. Another yeah, good yeah. Well, series. We'll, get, well, right?
1: well, hey, 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 hey! Don't diss this. They scored way more goals than I thought they were going to score.
0: Yeah,
2: agreed. I'll give it if to you.
1: you. I like. We want to talk about boring ass series. Columbus oh, versus first, Toronto. Well, let's but let's start let, off like with the could,
0: Penguins and the and the uh, Canadians. Let's go there. So the Penguins and Canadians they were fa- facing off. They're five hundred now after the Monday night loss. Uh, obviously, I think let's let's start off with the positives for the Canadians. I'll throw it over to you Marco Price. No, uh, (laughs) Uh, but Price has been outstanding. He's been excellent in the pipes.
1: Which, again, isn't surprising to me. Uh, A lot of people are like, oh, my God, look, this is a carry price of old. No, his playoff stats are identical. To his series versus the Rangers, you know, one point eight, nine goals against versus in six games versus the Rangers or in five games versus the Rangers, uh, which really means his team is shit offensively. And unfortunately, it hasn't changed uh, in four years. So, you know, yeah, Carey Price, especially in game two, stood on his head. Um, And I'd also like to give props to Matt Murray, who did exactly the same thing. Uh, Really, um, you know, unfortunate kind of pinball style goal from Petrie in overtime in game one. But other than that, I think that Matt Murray has been excellent. Only perfect shots or, or really like broken plays have beaten him. Uh, And I think you could say the same thing about Carey Price. I think the goalies have been by far the best players on the ice. Um, Really what I enjoy though, uh, is is the way that Pittsburgh in game two really started playing the matchup game. They didn't really do anything in game one, but in game two, Crosby versus Suzuki's line, uh, Malkin's line was out there versus Domi's line. Like they, they did it on purpose. Um, And ultimately Denotes line versus D- deno's line essentially being shut down. Um, there's a lot to discuss here, but ultimately the Canadians uh, were well, outcoached. Before that's we my go opinion. to that
0: sort of element, there, I want to actually draw back to another factor that's been there, and that's that this Montreal Canadiens team has handed the Pens 12 power play opportunities in just two games. And even things like, like, issue, like, I mean, like, even Claude Julien was saying, like, he, he would like to see more five on five hockey. And I think most Canadians fans would agree. I think
1: the whole <laughs> league would. I think the whole league would like, I think Quinn Hughes had like 10 power play minutes yesterday for, for Vancouver. Like it's, it's, it's something that's going on throughout the league. Um, And it's very unique to this playoff. I find I've never seen this many penalties in a playoff before, Um, but yeah, they, they do. And, and you look at the culprits and it's that second line with Suzuki. It's both Armia and Druin that have accumulated the most penalties and Philip Deneau. So here are three top six guys that are stuck in the box for minutes at a time, giving one of the most dangerous power plays ample room to play. And again, they still haven't scored. Right? Pittsburgh still hasn't scored on the power play. That is the only thing I give the Canadians credit for, is that their PK, contrary to the season, has been excellent. But other than that, yeah, they they got to shore it up. Uh, and I think, Adam, I don't know if you agree, but I think players need to start being uh, accountable for these indisciplinary uh, actions on their end.
2: They do, and especially when, you, when you're talking about Dano, who's been one of the Canadians' most, uh, who's, ha- who's had the most penalty minutes on the Canadians. And he's one of the guys that, that's supposed to be winning those face-offs when they're shorthanded, right? So that's huge for them. Uh, but then again, the fact that they didn't give up much is very good, especially against a, a Pittsburgh's power play, where they have arguably one of the best five-man power play on in the league, if not the best uh, player-wise. And but no, I think in the end, I I think we need to see something tonight that we need to see mixed uh, those lines mixed. We need to see changes
1: uh, on Paul Julien's part. Will Julien, change lines. I don't think in it's situations like this. I can't believe I'm about to say this, AJ, and please slap me after the show. But I, I miss Michel Terrier when it came to looking at stagnant lines. How unafraid this guy was at changing stuff up, because Claude Julien is a is the other way around. It's almost dinosaur-like in the sense that he will maintain lines that need to be separated. And I don't like. I don't know if you guys agree, but how smart is it? To have your two best goal scorers on the same line essentially being shut down, and your third best goal scorer in Max Domi on the fourth. And then we wonder why Jesperi Kakuniemi is the leading goal scorer for the Canadians in the playoffs. <laughs> it's you, you, in your effort to balance out the lines, you have n- like essentially phased out the offense.
0: Well, it's become st- it's become and predictable, th- right? So it makes it, t- it becomes a very it easy is. for.
1: And the wheel and Weis experiment for me is just like what are you doing? Wheel is useless, absolutely useless. On any other team, he would be on their ECHL club, practically. And and Weis bless his soul, Dutch Gretzky, everything he's done, but again, ineffective. Like a minus four in his last five playoff games, zero points, just useless. So. You, you know, Claude Julien keeps talking about how this is a young club. This isn't a young club. This is an old club with two 20-year-old centers. If you want this to be a young club, Jake Evans needs to be in. Ryan Paling needs to be in. Cale Fleury or Yulson needs to take over from, from or your both. Or like, both. Or Even no, you, like... can, you can put Mete to the left and put Fleury or, or Yulson on the right. Yeah. I just, ultimately, at this point, this isn't a young club. That rhetoric no longer applies. You have plucked out the youth to put in your plugs and you refuse to remove them. Further to that point, you give them key special teams time where they're ineffective. So, yeah. you know, I really w- like Jake Evans has a right hand shot. Um, Yasperi Kakaniemi can shoot on his off wing. Like, there are so many other players that you can put in those situations. And so for me, uh, the fact that these players not only play, but play significant minutes uh, leads me to believe that we won't see anything drastic in the line changes in a little bit.
0: So plenty of things to take away from this Montreal Canadian series. Uh, we do know that we'll be heading to a game on Friday. So that's we don't know exactly what time it's going to be, but we will see a game on Friday. And if for some reason it extends out to a fifth game, that will be taking place on Saturday. So, the yes, next so uh, day. we will see that, which actually is a good, brings us to a very interesting point. Uh, we didn't. We kind of glossed over this in the opening uh, segment, but essentially, for New York and Carolina, they had to play back to back nights. Do you think that's a, a factor that's unfair? Anything, anything into that? I, I, personally don't think it really mattered. It doesn't.
1: No, no. Like, and and especially for Carolina, they're a very young team. I, again, I don't think that playing back to back after being four months off, like you're not traveling, there's no excuse.
2: Maybe only on, on the goalie aspect of things, but you, you saw both goalies get their first playoff starts. Exactly. Playing starts so. and Reimer killed it.
1: So And Carey Price played 70 some <laughs> He was on pace for 70 games this year. Like, yeah. I don't think that guy gets tired.
2: And he faced 70-ish so- shots so
1: far in two games. So exactly. He's, yeah, he's still fresh to go. He's still good so to look, go for sure. And what, what's impressive is how many of those shots were high danger chances.
0: So let's now jump over to the series that's actually taking place right now. It's in period number one, 754 left in the period. So it gives you an idea what we're when we're recording, if you're watching this or listening to this back later. Uh, the Islanders huh. and the Panthers. Very interesting series, potentially for some people. I think the real question is, is it's time to bench Bobrovsky? So let me throw it over to you, Adam. What's the call here?
2: I think it's time, but they have no one to... To kind of take, is it Dreger the yeah, second yeah. goalie? I mean,
1: yeah, he's, he's why not?
2: Done, he's been good in during the season when he had to, to play. I mean,
1: yeah. And look, I think Drieger was an excellent choice. I think that Dale Talon's biggest mistake forever will be the signing of Bobrovsky. And this is a guy that failed to qualify two high end restricted free agents uh, <laughs> not 10 years ago. So yeah, this is, to me, the biggest and worst signing of his career at that cap hit for sure after just having drafted Spencer Knight it's it's stupid because that contract going to be immovable like if people think that Carey Price's contract with the shit team that he has in front of him is immovable Bobrovsky is just like a stone stuck in Miami um yeah The other thing that they did today, which I found pretty cool, they actually scratched Michael Matheson. And I honestly believe that that's the next Carl Osner contract where he signed for 4.8, 4.7, or 4.6 million, but for another like five years. And this guy is barely putting up like basic NHL numbers defensively. It's just putrid. He's horrendous defensively. And I think that contract is going to be one of the major reasons why, along with COVID, they're going to lose both Dadunov and Hoffman because they need to cut cost. So you have $15 million in Bobrovsky and Matheson of dead weight and you're losing two top six wingers. I fully expect Florida to lose today and I fully expect Florida to like go on the afterburns of a rebuild at this point.
0: Adam, what are you thinking?
2: Yeah. Um, I see... Ultimately, I see Florida being the second team out of the bubble in three. Uh, really didn't like what I saw from the two first games. Uh, they seemed the 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 couple minutes I watched from each game. Florida just, just seemed overwhelmed by the Islanders' offense, which is I mean, do, are the Islanders an offensive team now, or is Florida just that bad in their own zone? Um. I answer that yep do it uh florida is a very bad defensive team there you go so i mean and they made the islanders offense look very good uh y- you saw eberle score two goals last game mm. uh you saw jean gabriel Pajot. You saw boville Beauvilliers score uh for the islanders and yeah, I really liked what I saw from the Islanders. I really liked what I saw from uh, Jean Gabriel Pajot and Brassard on the third line, which is when you have those two on the third line and they're producing. I mean, it's a bonus for the team, right? Yeah, depth. And yeah, very good depth, good playoff depth. And yeah,
1: ultimately, I see them. I see. I see them sweeping Florida today. Yeah, I think that yep. the underperformance of guys like Eric Halla. Um, Mike Hoffman, yes, got a power play goal, but he had like something north of like 25 chances against while on the ice. Uh, so at five on five, it's horrendous. Um, you know, uh, I'm still looking for Dadanov somewhere on the ice, because right now it's just Huberto and Barkov. Um, and honest to God, I think we can say this now that it's been six years since he's been drafted. Uh, Aaron Ekblad is not a number one defenseman in the NHL. It's as simple as that. So hopefully, hopefully. If the Florida Panthers tank well enough, they're going to get one of those top five prized defensemen in the 2021 draft and that might actually help them play defense. Who knows? Maybe they might have the power to do so. That's an Owen Power joke, guys. I'll talk to you about it (laughs) next year.
0: All right, uh, so we've discussed that series. Let's move to a series that both of us, oh, uh, well, excuse me, all three of us have had question marks, and actually I'm actually going to lead off with some news on this. So that is the Blue Jackets Maple Leaf series, and Jake Muzzin is out for the rest of the series. Uh, we found out this morning. So being sidelined for the rest of the team's qualifying round, how does this affect? I mean, he was. I mean, it was a pretty bad injury. He was he was stretchered off the ice after uh, colliding with Oliver, uh, excuse me, uh, Bjorkstrand, and I think yeah you trans so uh so again nobody issues for injuries I, injuries are the worst, so I, I don't care well rivalries that are yeah, awful I, uh but i I will throw it over to adam what what is your takeaway from the series and obviously what is the role or, i mean what hole will be left by Jake Muzzin being out of the lineup
2: well, first of all, um uh, we saw before we jump into the series, we saw a lot of Toronto fans hoping they would see Sandine at some point. Um, I mean, does that open the door for him? Will they slot him in now that someone's injured and probably not coming back for the rest of the the series? Um, So that's my takeaway from the injury. Uh, Once again, injuries are awful. We don't wish them on anyone, but now we might see a young defenseman come in and be dominant, right? We, We might see someone do a McCarr type of thing like last year. We never know. Maybe, probably not. Could be. Um as for the series, we saw first game just Columbus clogging up the middle. Uh, we saw Corpus Alos just steal the game. Once again, it's a we saw so many goalies just steal games this, so far. And yeah, just a great bounce back uh, uh in the second game. I think Toronto had twenty seven shots the eleven or ten at some point, which was just crazy. To five.
1: At one point, yeah, or twenty-seven to eight. Sorry, at one point,
2: and they scored on like the twenty-eighth shot or something, which is just crazy. Corpus Hall mm. was doing yeah, a great I mean, job. They basically
0: had two minutes left before they everything was going well.
2: But you would see, so I think the Leafs kind of learned from the first game. You, you would see them keep the puck more. Uh, they would rush the play a bit less. They would just you would just see uh, Toronto's defense keeping the puck more and more until they got someone on them and then just move up the play so i think once they figure out how to and i think they will figure out how to break columbus's system i think the offense the floods floodgates are just going to open and it's going to be game over for her.
1: i think that it's a it's a fair point to talk about how like the leafs adapted in game two um i'm gonna be pretty straightforward with everybody here Leaf fans apologies uh, where is Mitch Marner? Where is he's busy Mitch playing Marner? for uh, Jake Cause, Muzzin? Because now it's not just this series. Where was, where was Mitch Marner versus Boston last year? Matthews Matthews has gotten all kinds of flack, but nobody can touch Matthews in the playoffs right now. That is just clutch scoring, and I'm talking about a Leafs player. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give the props where I gotta give props. Matthews is a clutch playoff performer. John Tavares is a clutch playoff performer. I don't, where are Nylander and Marner? Right? Like I just, so there's that. Um, The other thing I'd like to point out is we talked about losing uh, Jake Muzzin, by the way, Lee fans, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, it's not his fault. Uh, A cross check that sends a player flying into the, into the boards is a problem. Bouncing off the boards and onto someone's knee Let's, let's just chill on him for a sec. And as for who could potentially replace Jake Muzzin, well, the options are uh, Marinson, Sandin, and Lichgren. So what, uh, how much time do you think Sandin is going to be playing next game? Because <laughs> if they play Marinson over Sandin, we have issues, especially considering they're playing Robertson on the third line, uh, who's 18 years old. I think that Sandin is at least worth a lick. But uh, what I'd like to know is what does who's going to step up because it's not Sandin's not going to go into Muzzin's spot so who's going to take Muzzin's spot? Is it Travis Dermott who I thought played considering the Leafs controlled a lot? I thought he was pretty choppy, uh, often making the wrong play, which is un Dermott like. Um, and then obviously, um, you know, y- you could always kind of move up Tyson Berry, but that's. Risky in itself, so it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a nice puzzle uh, for Sheldon Keefe. But if I'm Tortorella, um, and I think that's this is the issue, and I think Adam, I'm gonna bounce this back off you. He doesn't have the speed to te- to keep up with the Maple Leafs, and as much as they want to play the trap, we saw in Game Two. Eventually, skill
2: wins. It does. I mean, especially when you have the top six Toronto has, even top uh, nine. Even I think nine playing great uh Kurt's Kaplan, very very strong they are actually you're right and Kapanen is very fast you, you you could see just guys they're, they're just so quick and so skilled mm. that's why I'm saying I think they kind of figured out what they did wrong in game one and that now they have to adjust more but yeah I think once you you would see especially game two you would see Toronto keep the puck so long and just control everything you would see Columbus just running after the puck and not not touching it for like minutes
1: I like this point and it's a point I'd like to make about the Montreal Canadiens as well puck support they support their players on the cycle even on their power play they had many power plays they obviously didn't score but when they move the puck they move with the puck there's constant flow and that makes it incre- incredibly hard to defend. And it opens up passing lanes, especially cross-seam passing lanes. And we saw a lot of that with Marner, Matthews. Um, so to me, I'll wait and see what happens in Game 3 before I say that you know they've figured out the Blue Jackets. But I will say this. When John Tortorella blows a gasket like that, you know that he's feeling insecure. You know that he, he's, got, he's been got. And in the first game we said, oh, the veteran coach got the rookie coach and Sheldon Keefe. Uh, I think Sheldon Keefe responded and responded well.
2: Yeah, I think I think game three is gonna be pivotal for this series. Mm. I think if Columbus wins, then pressure's all on the Leafs because they they've choked yeah. so many times on, in the playoffs and now mm. if they win, I think it puts the biggest pressure on Torts and on on what the all these Blue Jackets have been doing.
1: I agree. And and I think the last point I want to make on the Leafs before we move on, there were a lot of question marks on Freddie Anderson's performances. But he's been stellar as shit. Like, he's he's only let in one goal in two games because the second goal in game one was an empty netter, was it not? So, what, one goal in two games? Look at that, guys. Toronto has stellar goaltending. So... I don't know. I, uh, I I still stand by what I say. I still think they'll win.
0: Still plenty of question marks up in the air for that series. Let's move over to a completely different series. Now jumping conferences, let's go over to the Arizona Coyotes and the Nashville Predators. A
1: not a so boring not, series so more. Actually good. I thought it
0: was gonna well I thought it was gonna be a so boring there, would series. would you like me to get your so second they, dish of crow, sir? No, no, I hold <laughs> up. I thought it was gonna
1: be a boring series. And then they started Yossi Saros mm-hmm. in game one. And well, I mean, Arizona
0: has really shown that, that the pred- they they know all the predators weaknesses, right? Yeah.
1: Well, they, they were also, um, they also benefited from two things. A uh, Ryan Johansson and Matthew Shane picked up right where they left off in their shitty season and proceeded to be undisciplined. But two, I feel like all the bounces went uh, Arizona's way. Those were two extremely fluky goals to start the first You can't defend that like double ricocheting uh, a puck that you block that lands right in front of the stick of the opposing player. That's a foot away from you. There's not much you can defend on that. So I appreciate that, but I loved absolutely loved the way that they came out in the game too. Um, Their defense was activated. uh, They were mobile. They were moving. They kept their feet moving. They were hitting um, and they defended the net properly. They didn't allow pinball shots because they were clearing the net and blocking shots um, and Arizona simply just doesn't have the experience nor the firepower to keep up with that.
2: Yeah, I really liked what I saw from uh, Arizona in the first game. They got points from their, defense. their top players. Yeah, defense and top players. They got uh, I ekman Larson scoring, Dvorak, Keller. You haven't seen much of Kessel and Hall, but I mean, if they keep on going, they they, they could still catch heat. Uh, and then you saw a shorthand goal from Gra- Grabner, which is now. I feel like that's an hundred percent
1: goal every single time.
2: Uh, he has twenty two shorthand goals.
1: Yeah, in his career yeah. the leader. We should give category. him the selkie just for that. Yeah, uh, that was pretty amazing. I like but that. I, like I, I also I also thought of you when. <laughs> When I was like, oh, wow, look at uh, look at Arizona's defense, uh, all super mobile in game one. Obviously, Oliver ekman Larson leading the charge, but Alex Goligosky put up some good good minutes up there. Uh, so did Jason Demers. Uh, and Jacob Chitrin looks to be healthy. And when Jacob Chitron is healthy, well, that's another top four defenseman. And Jomerson was doing a great job shutting down in the first game. But again, I feel like they got overloaded in the second game because uh, Nashville actually played up to their potential.
0: I mean, yeah.
1: And yet, you know. Speaking of living up to potential, and you know, this this is another series we're going to discuss—the Minnesota-Vancouver series. Uh, I think <laughs> that Arizona, and uh, I think Arizona is uh, impressing a lot. The one thing I haven't heard anybody mention in regards to Arizona is the fact that Barrett Hayden is healthy and playing, and we haven't yeah. seen much from him, like at all. And you know, a lot of the people, and I'm not saying Barrett Hayden's a bad player at all. I'm saying Barrett Hayton is a 20-year-old learning the game and playing sheltered minutes, just like some other prospects we know of. Uh, And it takes time. And I think Arizona is doing the right thing by sheltering him and doing the right thing. So everybody that's watching Arizona, please pay attention to Barrett Hayton. I think he's an excellent hockey player, but I just want to show other people how other clubs go about protecting the young assets as they develop. Maybe learn from that, appreciate that, and, and be a little bit more conscientious. Talking to you, Montreal media.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if they're going to uh, pay attention to us just yet, but hopefully they might. We might learn a thing or two. In any case, let's learn a thing or two about the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, this is oh, a series that... Oh. You know what? I'll just throw it over to you, Adam. What, what are you feeling right now?
2: This has easily been my favorite know, right? series so far. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we have now... A two-one Calgary lead. Um, honestly, loved what I saw in the first game. We, you saw a great goaltending on on both ends. Uh, for Calgary, you saw great energy from Kachuk. Obviously, there has been the the crazy injury yes, to Shively. I mean, unfortunately, which led to yeah, very unfortunate for for the Jets losing their top player. Um. You saw them also go 0-7 on the power play, which was, again, big. Huge for them. Uh, and then you saw them bounce back in the second game and you saw Ehlers score his first playoff goal in 22 games, which was huge. And he actually scored back-to-back. Uh, he scored in Game 3 as well. So you see, you saw Shifley go down uh, in the first game. You saw the oh. other players take taking charge for the next two. Um, I think it's... Ultimately, I think this series is going the distance. Five Which is games. worthy for
0: all mm. neutral fans who are excited about this. Maybe a hard on the hearts of both uh, PEG fans and Flames fans. But I, I think at the end of the day, all of us who are watching on the uh, neutrals, or chaotic neutrals, lawful neutrals, or evil neutrals, we are 100% in on this series.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah, and, and you saw the Flames top layers. Coming in very strong in the. the I mean, the first it was that second period of that game,
0: and, and that series could have gone either yeah. way. But the Flames just flicked that switch, and it would just it completely changed everything.
2: And yeah. I'll, I'll throw it over to Marco. But last point: you saw Game Three. You saw Hellebuck feeling kind of overwhelmed. Maybe the the, the weaker defense on the Winnipeg side is catching up a bit. We'll see what happens in, in Game oh, 100%. Four.
1: But yeah, hundred percent, and. We haven't brought this up at all, but Shifley out liney out. Who is the best player for the Winnipeg Jets yesterday? My opinion, Nikolai Ehlers has been massive, massive. And this is a guy that took a lot of flack for disappearing in the playoffs. And here he is leading the charge. In my opinion, uh, the best forward. But you just got rid of one, one of the strongest centers in the league in Mark Shifley, one of the best goal scorers in Patrick Liney. You've essentially robbed Winnipeg of two-thirds of their first line. Do they Obviously, have a chance? Like, let me
0: the, just be straight up. Do you think you... Just, dude, they, I mean, of that's course why they have exciting, a chance. Right? They so do
1: like, have a chance because they have depth. They have depth in their roster. Um, you know, I, I, I forget his name. Uh, I'm blanking on it now. The third liner that Paul Maurice was just drooling over. The
2: rookie, yeah. Um, starts with an H. forget his Arcane's- name, but... Harkins, there you go. Yeah, I think.
1: Harkins. I've watched Harkins a few times play for Winnipeg when he was called up this year. I really liked what I saw. I think he's got great uh, overall... What's the word I'd be using? Pizzazz. I think he's very strong. Is that a technical term? Is that a technical, um, a term? That that a has technical really, hockey
0: term?
1: It, awesome. it will be, no. Um, one guy that I believe has really stepped up, and I know all Winnipeg fans will agree with this, is Adam Lowry. In the, With the fact now that they've lost... Their top center, uh, you know Blake Wheeler, kind of doing his thing as a leader as well. Uh, you really starting to see a guy, uh, you know like Lowry, who had a goal and assist uh, in game two, really just come in and own that center line. I, I really like what he did. Uh, another guy that's been pretty good now that he's gotten more minutes is Jack Roslevich. Uh I really like that uh, that setup as well. From Calgary side, um, I am. Pleasantly surprised that the first line finally woke up, and it's just not—it's not just the Matthew Kachuk show. Um, I think that, uh, especially Monahan, uh, I found him hungrier. He was going to the net. He was p- he was playing that power forward-style center game uh, that made him so effective during past seasons. Hopefully, that's a good confidence boost for them. But as we said before, this is by far now the tightest series, and it's the best one because it's quality hockey, and they're literally beating the shit out of each other
0: yay <laughs> i mean that's that's what yeah i mean that's yay. what we signed up for right uh in any case looking forward to that matchup and seeing where it ends up let's get to the um uh, <clears throat> another series that's on the docket here the canucks and the minnesota wilds so is this actually our last series on the list here i actually think, I think we've gone through everything yep. so uh, the rest are the rest the seating, are the yeah. uh yeah, yeah. the run robins yeah, so yeah. robin yeah. we'll quickly brief that but we're more interested in the qualifying round
1: Man. The series are what counts. We already know who's going to be there next. Exactly. Like, I don't so
0: Con- Connex, uh yeah. I mean, they've found a winning combination with that lottery line, haven't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, I liked what I saw yesterday. I think JT Miller was probably the best player on the ice. Uh, I felt in Game One, Elias Pettersson was kind of just playing by himself.
0: You don't. You, um, you don't think, Brock, think the, uh, Brock Bowser had like any like influence on that line or as well? Like I mean,
1: well, that's it. Brock Besser and JT Miller together played great in game two, but we're talking about the two games. And then game one, they were utterly invisible, not crashing the net, dipsy doodling left and right. I didn't like what I saw. Uh, Game two was far more convincing, higher tempo, playing more of a possession game. Um, The one thing I will say though, uh, if you're going to play against the Vancouver Canucks, don't get a penalty. Because Quinn Hughes played 10 minutes 10 minutes. The guy played 22 total minutes. 11 of those were at five <laughs> on five. Which is crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So yeah, if you're Minnesota, you need to stop shooting yourself in the foot. A. B. <laughs> Wasn't Minnesota's only goal last night? Or no, they scored two, but their first goal was a shorthanded goal. Like, God damn it. They don't even have one five on five goal in this series. Minnesota does. And they've won one of those games. So <laughs> I stand by what I say in saying that, I think that Vancouver is going to still win this series. Um, but the only way they're going to do so is if Minnesota continues to be undisciplined because it forces uh, or it removes the pressure on what I think is a very faulty defense on Vancouver's end. I don't know if you noticed the same thing, Adam, um, but when, when, whenever Minnesota kind of had the puck, there was kind of a sense of, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. On behalf of the defense, you saw them kind of panic.
2: Yeah um i think i i have to totally agree on on what you said and on the flip side for minnesota we saw uh we pretty much doubted the team the whole team especially the defense and we saw in game one we saw spurgeon ke- come up with two goals yep uh another guy we doubted we saw fiala score and he added two goals in the second game so yeah. Is he the, can he bring it to playoffs I think so far he,
1: absolutely he, absolutely he's done yeah.
2: it uh but I have to give you kudos on for for Vancouver's side you saw so last night the the uh a one game two series now tied one one and you saw not only the young players play great for Vancouver you saw the veterans so you saw Pearson you saw Miller and you saw Horvat score. Mm-hmm.
1: And unfortunately, which, Tyler Toffoli is injured, or else I feel like he would have probably certainly. factored in as well.
2: Yep. So as predicted, you saw their young players uh, and their veteran play very good for Vancouver. So yay. Yeah, Marco was but right Kevin for that Kevin Fiala,
1: one. I like the way that Kevin Fiala is moving the puck. Regardless of if he's scoring, if he's playing. Uh, unfortunately, Vancouver is giving him too much space, in my opinion, and he's taking full advantage of that. Uh, I think that he's playing a great game, a solid game. And I think that if Minnesota has any chance in, in you know, in, in winning this, uh, you know, they got to make sure that he's covered. If Minnesota is going to win, they got to make sure that all his teammates are open. And I still think how fun would this series have been if Kaprizov were playing? Yeah, because this is a series made for him. So no good series. Fun times. Um, the only thing I will say is... I really want to see how Markstrom is going to hold up. Because Given again, the
2: defensive side exactly, for Vancouver isn't playing exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I liked what I saw yesterday. But can he bring that every single game? And if he does, the only thing I'm going to say is... Ka-ching! Because yeah. he's going to get paid.
2: And if if he can bring it and we actually see one goal games for the rest oh, yeah. of the series it's actually been a better series than we thought yeah
1: I thought it was going to be an up and down series but it seems to be an east-west series
2: yeah honestly I thought Vancouver Vancouver Mm was just going to score at will and it hasn't been the case so far so yeah fun nonetheless yeah
0: so that covers your nhl playoff qualifying round picture we're not going to talk about the seeds because we can always talk about that once the qualifying round is settled but we will bring you all the hockey action next week but thanks so much for joining us this week on the hockey flow of course i got to shout out our key peeps over here adam adam shout out your twitter handle here please right now really so adam, adam boucher deep. you can find him on twitter and of course scrimmage stats.com's stats.com marco d'amico where can we find you on twitter at, at The Hockey, Hockey Expert. Expert. Of course, now we are listed on Spotify. We are coming to Apple and Google Podcasts later this week, so check us out there. But of course, you can also check us out on our website, thehockeyflow.com or hockeyflow.com. Either way, it gets us where we are. We're going to post up the episodes. What we also do is you can see the show notes. You can see what we're discussing, and you can take a look at it there. It's still bare bones, but it's coming along, and we thank you for your patience as we start building out this uh, podcast. So that's it for The Hockey Flow. I'm AJ Quintero. We'll catch you guys next week wait Marco's telling me to say something what do you want to say Monday
2: Monday is the draft draft lottery lottery.
0: that's important to actually say (laughs) so yes thank you Marco appreciate it we'll see you next week draft lottery Monday yay